Let's talk sports and welcome to The Grind. And good Wednesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to The Grind, Wednesday edition, hump day, and it's not raining when we kick the show off this morning, maybe the first time in maybe two weeks, uh, that it's not been torrential downpours, you know, river in the parking lot, the whole deal. Uh, so that's that's good. I mean, it's positive. It's always good to not have, uh, you know, precipitation uh, that makes you want to run and put two by two in a boat. But... We do have some cool things to talk about today. Tennessee uh, men's basketball took it to the Arkansas Razorbacks last night, really never let up, uh, and actually a team that hadn't trailed much this season, Arkansas, they, they, had, they had lost a lot of games close at the end, hadn't trailed a lot in games this year, nearly uh, trailed wire to wire. So we'll talk about that, that matchup and, and what Tennessee has to build from uh, after a really nice performance last night. Also want to talk about the NCAA requesting that Congress help with some some rulings on uh, pay-for-play or pay-for-likeness uh, legislation that's coming down in a few states, California being one of the name, namely states, um, citing that this is an unfair recruiting advantage. I think this is a real cool topic to kind of dive into because it's it's Pandora's box. We've talked about it before. And uh, and we'll we'll dive right into that. But then also, kind of breaking news. A couple days ago, Mel Tucker, Colorado's head coach, former Georgia defensive coordinator, uh, you know, former NFL coach, was named as as a candidate for the Michigan State job. Tucker quickly says, "I'm staying in Boulder. Um, I'm here for the build. I'm doing all this. I'm doing all that." About three hours ago, several people broke it, but I'll go with Feldman. Uh, Bruce Feldman, to give him the credit, said Mel Tucker to be announced as on Wednesday as Michigan State's new head football coach. So kind of, you know, that's the that's the timeliness of college football. That was the, the first tweet that said I'm staying was on offer number one. I don't know how many iterations it took to get to this point, but obviously between money – resources, and commitment, Mel Tucker thinks that uh, all of a sudden Michigan State is a better stop for him. So we'll see. The first-year guy at Colorado now moves on to the Big Ten uh, to head to Michigan State. And I think it's a – you know, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a big-time guy. But what does that leave – where does that leave Colorado uh, in the wake of, you know, a week ago National Signing Day, actually a week ago today – uh, you know, where are some of these players that thought they were playing for Coach Tucker? Now they're going to be playing for probably an interim unless they can get somebody to bounce. But Colorado's not normally a a, a job that that's going to get uh, a ton of offers. But we'll talk about that later in the show. Again, if you if you have any questions on any of those comments, don't wait till it happens. Go ahead and call in, and we'll talk about it on your on your morning commute. But uh, Tennessee uh, takes down Arkansas, eighty-two to sixty-one. And when you look at the 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 box score, look at the recap. It was all balls uh, for this game. Tennessee freshman Viscovi Santiago Viscovi 
Vescovi, wow, Wednesday hit me right there. Got a season-high 20 points, eight assists on Tuesday night as they limited Arkansas to its fewest points in SEC play this season and posted a convincing uh, victory of 21 points. The bounce-back win for Tennessee, who now sits at 14-10, and 6-5 and five in conference play, saw five, score, five balls score in double figures, and Jordan Bowden getting 16 himself, six rebounds and three assists. Uh, Jimmy Witt Jr. was a nice player for the Razorbacks, but tried to do it all by himself. 19 points on the night, but uh, shooting percentage was not a focus point for Arkansas. Let's just put it that way. Nor was uh, staying out of foul trouble, but he, both of those things led to the to the result that was a big victory for the Vols. Entering Tuesday, Tuesday night, Arkansas averaged a conference-low 10 turnovers per game in SEC play. The Vols forced 14 in the victory last night. So, again, met their, their season average and pushed that out a little bit. Prior to the game, Arkansas' seven losses on the season were by a combined 32 points. They lose to the Vols by 21. So, it was their first double-digit loss of the season, and they were one of nine teams in the nation to have suffered a 10-point loss coming into Tuesday night. So, it, uh, they got added to list, not taken off of list. Unless they're taken off of that no team has beat me by double digits list. But uh, the Big Orange lit up the nation's top three-point defense, connecting on 37.5% of their three-point attempts, served as the best shooting percentage from the perimeter uh, this season, uh, and the best shooting perimeter from the perimeter against Arkansas this season. The Razorbacks entered the game limiting an op- opponents to under 25%. From beyond the arc, Bowden improved to 10th on Tennessee's all-time three-point list with 173 makes, knocking down a triple within the first the game's first minute. He would score he would score five of the Vols' first eight points and finish the night with 16. Freshman Devontae Gaines came in, got got quite a bit of good minutes, energized the Tennessee defense with two steals, a block, and a charge drawn early in the contest uh, during an 8-0 run by the Vols highlighted by Vescovi all over the place. The Razorbacks went nearly six first half minutes without a point, turning the ball over six times in that span. Uh, a corner three by Vescovi uh, extended Tennessee's lead to 15 with just over six minutes remaining in the opening half, and the freshman led all scores at that point with 13 points at the break. Tennessee's Really strong defense surrendered a mere 23 first-half points to the Razorbacks, Arkansas's fewest points and a half this season. Uh, Big Orange shot 47.8% from the floor while connecting on 11 of 23 field goals, including 50% from the three-point line. UT went 14 of 18 from the free-throw line in the first 20 minutes, which led to a big lead. At the half, Tennessee redshirt junior Jalen Johnson recorded his first career start on Tuesday night, his 63rd appearance in a all uniform. His steal and dunk early in the second half set the tone for the remainder of the game. As, as they continued to hold this lead and gain, gain some and then take away, gain some and then take away, it was it was a cat and mouse game from early in the second half as Tennessee just needed to, to score when they needed to score, and they did that. And then if you look at it, Eve Ponds continued 
uh, to be all over the place as he uh, as he continued the streak of having a block in, in I think it's 24 straight games. Eve Pons, an SEC Defensive Player of the Year candidate. If he's not now, he should be. Uh, converted a four-point play with 10 minutes to go, increasing Tennessee's lead to 63-38. to He finished in double figures, 12 points, four rebounds, and a block. Uh, he had a couple dunks down the stretch to put exclamation points on the big victory, and Vascovi's two made free throws with less than two, uh, two minutes to go uh, sealed his best career outing. Santiago scored his career-high, season-high 20 points uh, and had eight assists. Um, big deal for, for Santiago. He, he, was, he was dominant, and, and he did some things uh, athletically when you talk about give-and-go, kind of that stop-and-go offense that, that he can do so well. Uh, he just really turned the pressure up, and, and Arkansas couldn't react. Um, Devontae Gaines grabbed a career-high seven rebounds, uh, five on the defensive end to go along with three steals and one rejection. If you see Devontae Gaines, that doesn't look like his stat line. He's a small guy. Well, small and in, in he's thin. He needs to put on a little bit of weight, but uh guy plays tenacious, and you got to love uh, what he does. Eve Pond's streak, like I said, sits at 24 straight games with a block, and Tennessee has a lot to be happy with. Their next road contest uh, will be Columbia, South Carolina will be the destination, and, and the Gamecocks will be ready uh, to go tip off 6 p.m. Eastern this Saturday night. It'll be on the SEC Network, and uh, Tennessee will look to continue a nice streak against South Carolina as they got them in Knoxville earlier in the season. And uh, South Carolina has had some good wins since then, but hopefully they will uh, keep that kind of stymied up. But if you look at the if you look at the box score for last night, Arkansas uh, had had a couple kids that played nearly the entire game. Uh, Jimmy Witt Jr. played 40 minutes, uh, had 19 points, two rebounds, uh, one assist, and three steals. Uh, not a bad outing for him. A uh, couple other Razorbacks in, in double figures, 34 minutes, 11 points, four rebounds for Desi Seals. Uh, Desi Seals. Wow, that's a, that's a mouthful. 20 minutes, uh, 10 points, and six rebounds and two assists for Reggie Chaney, and then everybody else, uh, Audrio Bailey, Jalen Harris, Mason Jones, Gentel, Sila, Ethan Henderson, all all with single-digit points uh, kind of coming off the bench. Your, your, your three bench players uh, combined for a total of 15 points. I'm pretty sure Tennessee had 15 bench points in the first half. So, Tennessee ha- had a pretty efficient night, and, and that's what Tennessee's going to have to have to win games down the stretch. And I think a win against Arkansas proved to Tennessee that they can do it, that they can dominate, that they can play a brand of basketball that that extends leads, that that doesn't scrape and claw for things. And I think that is what they needed to see uh, going into probably the biggest gauntlet remaining in the Southeastern Conference. But Tennessee's defense is what predicated this. 28% from the floor in the first half, 33% from the floor in the seconds, what Arkansas put up there, which Tennessee, I don't want to take anything away from their defense because I think Tennessee's defense did a lot to really open some of that stuff up. But if you look at – if you watch this game at all, Arkansas didn't really run an offense early in that game. I don't know that they ever really did. 
But early in that game, it was down, one pass, throw it up. Down, kind of juke, dribble drive, throw it up. I'm not a I'm not a defensive guru, but I feel like that's that's easier to manage. Just really force the issue and make them make a bad shot or a bad pass because they're not going to pass it a lot. So I think 7 of 25 from the floor in the first half, 8 of 24 in the second half, only made 15 shots all night for 30.6% efficiency over the night. I think you gotta you got to be happy with, with what that is. They only went inside 10 times. Five of those 15 shots were from beyond the arc, and they didn't get to the free throw line a terrible bunch. Uh, they shot 26 of 36. That's a lot of free throws. I know, know what people are saying, uh, but at the same rate, uh, I thought Tennessee uh, didn't get in too bad of trouble. Uh, had five players in double figures, so allowed our guys to play and um, and just did what we needed to do. Shot at least 48% in both the first and second half from the floor and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, six of 16 from three is not ideal, but it's better than where we have been. Uh, points in the paint, 40. I love that because that means we drove in there and got some tough points. I think that's what Tennessee's going to need to do because the perimeter game isn't as uh, as as clutch as it has been. But you look at it, Santiago Vescovi, I love the point matchup here because nobody had to go the full 40. Santiago Vescovi, 30 minutes, 20 points, one rebound, eight assists, and one steal. Jordan Bowden, 38 minutes. He had 16 points, six rebounds, three assists. John Fulkerson, 28 minutes, 14 points, eight rebounds, uh, one block, one steal. He's all over the place. Uh, Eve Ponds, 31 minutes, 12 points, four rebounds, uh, one assist, one block. Uh, Jalen Johnson, 20 minutes, four points, uh, three rebounds, uh, two blocks, two steals, and one assist. Uh, Olivier Nkuma. Uh, 19 minutes, 10 points, six rebounds, uh, two assists, and one block. Uh, Devontae Gaines, 26 minutes, probably his biggest minute total of the year. Uh, 26 minutes, six points, seven rebounds, uh, one assist, one block, and three steals. Uh, Euros Plavsic, four minutes, no points, uh, one rebound. Drew Pember, two minutes, no points. Uh, Jacob Fleischman, one minute. One rebound, one assist, and J- Brock Jancic, one minute, one rebound, no points. 82 points was the total for Tennessee and held the Razorbacks to just 61. A nice outing for Tennessee, like I said. But if you look at Tennessee's schedule uh, moving forward, Arkansas was a nice spot to be right here. In between Kentucky, South Carolina, if you can kind of go to Columbia and handle your business, you come back next Tuesday for Vandy. Uh, Tennessee has to win, in my opinion, South Carolina and Vandy to put yourself in a position uh, for the final five-game stretch uh, to mean something. And when I say mean something, I think it always means something because you've got NIT aspirations, if you call that. I think I think you have NCAA aspirations and you have NIT consolation. Does that make sense? And maybe that's a brash way to look at it. I, I don't know. I, I just think you always should shoot that high. But uh, I think if you win against South Carolina, you win against Vandy, then you go into next Saturday with Auburn, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn again to finish out your season. And in my book, 
You, you know, in that mix, you need to win. You need to win three of those games. Now, can that happen? I, I don't know. I don't know that it can, but I know you gotta you gotta you gotta want to do it and believe you can do it before you're ever gonna do it. So, I think you win against South Carolina on Saturday. Take care of Vandy on Tuesday, because again, that's back at TBA, and then you go on a little bit of a road trip uh, Saturday at Auburn, February twenty second, and then the next Wednesday. Arkansas and Fayetteville, and they're not going to like that you put the the whooping on them that you did a night ago. So I don't think that's going to be an easy matchup. You'll have Florida at home, uh, so that's always a great matchup. Kentucky and Lexington, and then finish the season March the seventh against Auburn. Like I, I think anybody on any network or anybody that talks about it, this isn't an easy stretch. This isn't a stretch that favors this young aggressive, scrappy, as my father-in-law used, uh, Tennessee team. But it's where you're at. It's where you're at. Uh, Tennessee sits at 14-10 and 10 on the season, 6-5 and five in conference play, 9-5 uh, and five at home, 3-4 and four on the road. I think you got to better that 3-4 and four on the road down the stretch as you've got, I think, four of your last, uh, four of your last seven games on the road. But uh, take care of what you can do at home. Nine and five at home. You've got a couple toughies in there. You've got uh, Florida and Auburn coming coming to your place. But you need to take care of what you can do. Control what you can and fix what you can't. So I think that's what Tennessee's got to do. But I love what they did last night. And I think Tennessee fans need to soak this up a little bit as Tennessee uh, did what they could do. And really, you've got a lot of production from a lot of young players. Uh, Santiago Vescovi continues to be a really good good player. He He's a scrappy guy. He gives up a little bit on the defensive end, but you love what he does on offense. So I like that. John Fulkerson plays his heart out. And I think if we can continue to break him out and not make him play 35-plus minutes a game, uh, I think you're going to get a lot more out of number 10. So uh, Tennessee's got to kind of live with this victory through the morning and then this afternoon get back and get on track because you have to go to South Carolina. Uh, Tennessee has some work to do, but they have an opportunity uh, to take care of some business and right the ship here on what's been a rocky uh, rocky season on Rocky Top and a young season, a learning curve, if you will, that they've had to deal with. But let's take us a break, listen to these fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to maybe get a phone call from Boone, but also uh, talk a little bit about this NCAA investigation, this NCAA discussion with Congress about pay-for-play. We'll talk about it on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948. Or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. 
El Jimador Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimador offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040 and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Jimador Mexican Grill, located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimador Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Rural King has joined Hope Products, a brand dedicated to saving children from childhood cancer and other life-threatening diseases. When you buy Hope Products coffee pods at Rural King, 50% of all profits go directly to support St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. An 80-count box of breakfast blend or Hope House Blends coffee pods are regularly $24.99, but for a limited time are now just $12.98. Support St. Jude's by picking up some 80-count boxes of Hope Products coffee pods for $12.98 at Rural King, America's farm and home store. A workshop on human trafficking is presented by Natalie Ivey, Executive Director of the Community Coalition Against Human Trafficking. It'll be 10 a.m. to 12 noon, February 22nd at the Chilhowee Club, 223 Clarion Avenue in Maryville. Parking is behind the building. It's open to everyone. For more information, contact Jamie Daly at 865-661-9055. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Join us for the Blunt Broadcasting Basketball Rivalry Series, Maryville versus Alcoa. Game number two of the series is Friday, February the 14th at Alcoa High School. Girls action starts at 6 p.m. and the boys take the court immediately after the girls game. Wayne Kaiser will be courtside to bring you play-by-play -play of each exciting minute of the action. You can hear the games on WKVL 100.9 FM and WGAP. 105.9 FM, AM 1400, and on the live stream at WKVL.com. It's the Blunt Broadcasting Basketball Rivalry Series, Maryville versus Alcoa, on Friday, February 14th, starting at 6 p.m., right here on WKVL and WGAP. Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321-6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, shift printing 
at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Hump Day edition of The Grind. As we as we move to segment number two, again, uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, it's The Grind on Sports. On Twitter, The Grind on Sports. Uh, Instagram, The Grind on Sports. Or you can check us out on our website, thegrindonsports.com. That's kind of the hub where you can go and you can listen to the show. You can see Facebook, Twitter, all those outlets. And, and it's currently a little bit under construction right now, and, and that's a good thing. You know, it's always good to be kind of growing and doing. And uh, we've we've got with uh, 42nd Street over here in Maryville, right off McCayman Avenue, uh, guys that are local but know the big picture, if that makes sense. You know, tennis, or 42nd Street, 42sd.com, uh, are getting with us, get, getting on board, and branding us to a point to where we're growing this thing and trying to get this show out to as many people as possible. So again, if you like what you're hearing on the radio and you think you might have missed a show or you want to go back and listen to another show, check us out. It's it's thegrindonsports.com, and you can go to our SoundCloud, follow us, subscribe to us. It's free, no charge there, and you can go back and listen to all the way back to day number one which was August 1st, 2018. So if that's something that, that you're interested in, check us out. And again, 42SD, 42nd Street Marketing here in Maryville, they can turn your your vision, which is what they're doing with me, turning the vision into reality, putting pen to paper or putting, I guess, click to monitor uh, on the screen and, and redoing some of our branding, social media, and our website. So if you like what you hear, check us out. But if you need some marketing, check out 42nd Street, 42SD.com. Mike and the great team over there uh, do a great job, and, and you won't be disappointed. Again, great to, to be part of what's going on there. And then, of course, always appreciate them being right here. But the next segment we're going to move into, NCAA President Mark Emmert wants Senate's he- the Senate's help on a topic of athletic pay. Uh, NCAA President Mark Emmer urged Congress, this is a this is a release from the Associated Press, to put restrictions on college athletes' ability to earn money from endorsements, telling a Senate committee Tuesday that federal action is needed to maintain uniform standards in college sports amid player-friendly laws approved in California and under consideration in other states. The NCAA last fall said it would allow players to benefit from from the use of their name, images, and likeness, and is working on new rules to, to reveal that in April. But under the NCAA's timeline, athletes would be able to take advantage uh, beginning in January. Uh, meanwhile, more than 25 states are considering legislation that would force the NCAA to allow players to earn money off their personal brands in a, mi- in a bid to address inequities 
in a multi-billion dollar college sports industry. California passed a law last year that gives broadcast endorsement rights to players, and it will take effect in 2023. Other states could grant those rights as soon as this year. So it's a little bit of a snowball effect that Emirates trying to get out in front of the NCAA's concern. And I think it's a I think it's a decently valid concern. Uh, echoed by Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby is 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 that endorsement deals for athletes would have a negative effect on recruiting. Uh, with schools and boosters in states with those friendly laws uh, could use money to entice players to sign with, with certain schools. Here's the deal. I know if you go to X school in, in this really rural environment, uh, they're going to be able to give you this dollars. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you in. California is one that's got the laws, so I'm going to put you in L.A., and I guarantee that we can outsell, we can outbrand, we can outdo you know, what you're going to get at that rural school. So I, I can see that as a, uh, a caveat to what this is going on. It says if implemented, and this is I think this is Bowlesby speaking, if implemented, the laws would give schools an unfair recruiting advantage and open the door to sponsorship arrangements being used as a recruiting tool. This would create a huge imbalance among schools and could lead to corruption in the recruiting process because it's clean as a whistle right now. Just put that out there. Uh, he said, we may need Congress's support in helping maintain uniform standards, uh, but I I don't know what this says. I don't know if this is a cry for help or if it's because it's legislation, you got to have a little bit more beef in your background. But uh, Emmert's comments were similar to what the NCAA, the Big 12, the ACC – have been communicating to Congress through well-paid lobbyists. Uh, the Associated Press has found that the NCAA and two conferences spent nearly three-quarters of a million dollars last year lobbying, in part, to amplify their concern for guardrails on this endorsement pay for athletes. And, and you know, I've always said I, I'm kind of a slippery slope on this on this topic. Jerry Moran uh, a Kansas uh, Republican and the chairman of the subcommittee on manufacturing trade consumer protection uh, said he was not inclined to talk about this until the new NCAA uh, rules come out. But he said, I wish Congress or this, sorry, this is uh, this is Emmert speaking and said, I wish Congress was in a position. No, this is Moran. I wish Congress was in a position to be able to provide the NCAA and athletes uh, the opportunity to find a solution but the ability for Congress to do that is a challenge. He said the next step is to see what the NCAA is capable of presenting us in April and go from there. NCAA critics believe there is plenty of evidence that recruiting is already corrupt. I agree. Pointing in part to the federal criminal case involved shoe companies paying basketball players to attend school that they sponsor and letting players earn endorsement money won't create the major problems the NCAA predicts. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really really kind of hit or miss on this deal. Like, don't get me wrong. I think if there there needs to be something that that balances this out. You know, schools making the the millions and and this thing says billions uh, on player likeness. I get that players need some level of of money, but but I also understand that these players are given what is now valued at nearly $100,000. I mean, a college education at a Division I program, especially if it's a top 25 academic school, that's a big deal. 
that's big money. And, and, and the fact that I understand that there, there's likeness and that they're playing and all these different things, but at the same rate, they're clean and clear on their academics. So, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I say make what you want. Make what you want to make. But there needs to be some kind of checks and balances like endorsement money goes through this 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 financial advisor, however that needs to look. And once you cross a threshold, you're no longer a student athlete, so therefore you pay your own bill. And the reason I say that is because you you know it, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have your hand in both cookie jars. That's this situation for me. And maybe and I'd love to hear other people's opinion. Again, this is an AP report, and I'm just putting my flavor on it. But I'd love to hear other opinions. Eight six five nine eight three four three one zero. Again, eight six five nine eight three four three one zero. Give us a call, but. I guess my thing is make as much money as you want, but at some rate, when you're making more money than the teachers that are teaching you, then no longer are you government funded. You know what I'm saying? Are you coming out of the, the state school's budget where that money is funded from people who are wanting to give people the opportunity, uh, to, to better their, their, their deal. So here's the deal. You know, do you, do you, do you allow if, okay, so somebody makes more money here. I'm trying to open my, my can of worms, I guess. So if somebody makes money off their likeness, so you say, so a student athlete, you give, give that, that limit at like 25,000. If you make more than $25,000 in a year, uh, you are no longer, uh, eligible for the scholarship. I think you're still eligible for, to play, but you're not eligible for a scholarship. So do you allow that school to have an additional scholarship? Do you allow them to carry, you know, 85 scholarship players? And does that player then become a walk-on? I think you've got to manage that as well, just because, uh, it could be really interesting. Oh, all of a sudden we have a, uh, scholarship available for you, Mr. Evans, because this guy just made money. See, he makes money. So you should make money. I don't know that you need to tweak with that. I think, you know, there needs to be a max uh, roster size, whether that's, you know, 100 players, whether that's, you know, what have you, walk-ons and everything included, and, and then you go from there. But I think you could definitely benefit the academic side because I think I think there is a there is a link, but it's a muddy it's a muddy road to get there as the 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 impact of athletics on academics. I mean, you look at Tennessee. I know we have we have a world-renowned uh, engineering program. I know we have you know great great teachers and great programs, great agricultural stuff, everything. But if you're telling me the '90s didn't help fund a lot of the expansion, a lot of the 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 deals in football that helped gain some of that ground in those those other avenues, I think that's that's a far cry. I think it absolutely there's a link. So is there a way to where you know okay? We, you know, Tennessee, Florida, Southern Cal, Notre Dame, however this needs to work, whoever you want to, you know, school A here, they've got five guys that made over $25,000. There's five scholarships that can go to someone who maybe can't afford it. That goes to somebody who maybe, maybe based on GPA, based on how hard they're working, get an opportunity. 
again, I'm spitballing at best here because I have no dog in the fight. I can't vote. They don't return my calls. It's it's one of those. I'm I'm a small fish in a really big pond. But <laughs> that's the funny thing about radio. I've got I've got a place to put it right here on this microphone. And and here's the deal. I love I love what's what's going on. I love that this conversation's being had, but again, I guess my, you know, hold my hold my money bag and don't want to take it from me. I'm cautious because of the 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 developmental environment that college sports is, that college athletics present. These kids are using college athletics as a platform to have a career. Well, this conversation, this this idea is looking to merge those two. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Again, I'd love to hear other people's comments, but maybe it's not a bad thing. But I feel like, you know, that window of change continues to close. I mean, at this rate, are we are we going to eliminate the walk-on? At this rate, are we going to, you know, especially with basketball, I mean, one and dunners, I mean, you get closer to draft time, I mean, these players can make multi-millions. Oh, the reason he had an off game in the Duke-North Carolina rivalry is because he had to go do a Nike commercial. You know, because he had to go go do an appearance at a, at a used car lot in Durham. You know what I'm saying? I, I just I don't want to take away from the fabric that's what makes makes college football and college athletics different. You know, I was talking to someone yesterday, and I said, you know what? Maybe that's the avenue the XFL gives you. If you're hot to trot, if like your goal in life is to make some money selling tennis shoes, or to make money on a T-shirt that has your your likeness or your face on it, or to sell a couple jerseys, well, heck, go go as a sophomore to the XFL. Go as a junior to the XFL. Heck, go as a as an exiting senior because you can leave after the bowl game, go practice with the XFL and start in February. Boost your draft stock, start making money from there. One-year deal. But I, I'm still guarded, and I guess my opinion is, is I'm not opposed to making money off your likeness because being a student in college trying to work full-time – uh, is is difficult, and I think that that dynamic uh, takes away from the college experience. I also know that it costs money to go through college. I understand that you want to do things, you want to go out with friends, you want to, you know, if you're in Knoxville, you want to go to main event, you want to go to, you know, go to these nice restaurants. So there's money needed, and I know a lot of people say, and I'm I'm one of those. If you're if you're an athlete, you go to the 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 di- dinner you know, the, the dining hall and, and everything's free. I've had, I've had free lunches. It's just not the same about the 75th time around. So I get that there needs to be money, fun money, go money, whatever you want to call it for, for players to have a life, to have a, a, a side to unwind outside of, of the football field, the hardwood, the baseball field, softball field, either way. But how do you manage it? How do you make sure that those who who are putting in just as much work have just as much impact on winning and losing, but they're an offensive lineman? How do you make sure their likeness gets gets the value that it should? And it's not just everybody wants to come to your university. Well, I got to play wide receiver because they make more money. 
Oh, well, you're better suited to be a defensive back. I got I got to play wide receiver. That's where the money's at. I know all those are extreme comments, but I think it's relevant in the fact that where do you stop? I think I think if you if if ever micromanaging was a thing and was good, it's going to be in this situation because thirty years ago, forty years ago now, I guess when there was no internet, there was not as much technology. There was there was checkbooks, cash money, and wire wiring funds. We were trying to trying to cheat the system. If we give them a drip of of leaking money then we'll fill a swimming pool with it. It's just, it, it is what it is. And and the conversation is, is college athletics corrupt and recruiting corrupt at the moment? I have no doubts. But, but, if it's going to be mandated, if it's going to be allowed, if it's going to be in your face, and it's going to be NFL light, or it's going to be XFL plus, either way, however you want to look at it, it's got to be managed, and the thing is, if you close the gap to where there's no difference between college and foot and, and NFL, they both lose. They both lose, and just remember that uh, they both can can see negative effects from this situation. But you know, uh, I think it's it's sign of the times. Things are going to transition. Things are going to move, and we've just got to we've just got to roll with it and live with it, and 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 see how it comes out. But uh, we're going to get to another break, our last break of the day. But before we go, I want to announce Raiders Youth Football, Fairview Raiders Youth Football signups will be happening this Saturday, February the 15th from 10 to noon. Where are you, ask? William Blunt High School Cafeteria. Uh, ages 7 to 12 will have signups. Uh, get out, talk to these coaches. I know, I know the conversation is out there, and I've talked with some of these coaches uh, about player safety. And I think that's a big proponent for, for limited turnout uh, for youth football. But get out here. Uh, these guys are all about player safety. I work with several of the coaches, and, and they're, they're about explaining how the game has progressed and how they're going to keep these kids safe. So Raiders Youth Football signups this Saturday, February the 15th, 10 to noon, William Blunt High School Cafeteria. Ages 7 to 12 can sign up. Fairview Raiders Youth Football this Saturday, February 15th, 10 to noon but we're going to take our last break of the day listen to these fine sponsors when we come back we're going to talk mel tucker yesterday staying at colorado this morning the new head man at michigan state we'll talk about what changes opinions and can he make it can he do it we'll talk it all on the flip you're listening to the grind we'll be right back Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Join us for the Blunt Broadcasting Basketball Rivalry Series. Maryville versus Alcoa. 
Game number two of the series is Friday, February the 14th at Alcoa High School. Girls action starts at 6 p.m. and the boys take the court immediately after the girls game. Wayne Kaiser will be courtside to bring you play-by-play -play of each exciting minute of the action. You can hear the games on WKVL 100.9 FM and WGAP 105.9 FM AM 1400 and on the live stream at WKVL.com. It's the Blunt Broadcasting Basketball Rivalry Series, Maryville versus Alcoa, on Friday, February 14th, starting at 6 p.m., right here on WKVL and WGAP. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Did you know most employers consider soft skills as important as the skills it takes to do a job? Soft skills include things like attitude, communication, teamwork, motivation, and time management. You can take your career to the next level by taking free soft skill classes at the Blunt County Public Library. Find complete class schedule and registration information at www.bluntchamber.com. Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321-6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, shiftprinting at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. Rural King is proud to offer firearms and ammunition at the lowest prices every day in our stores and online at rkguns.com. And if you're looking for consistent performance from a long rifle round, look no further than Armscore. A box of 50, 22 long rifle, 36 grain, high velocity hollow point rounds from Armscore is just $199. Check out arcadeguns.com for an amazing selection because firearms and ammunition will continue to be part of an important American tradition at Rural King, America's farm and home store. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports.
and welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. Uh, what a difference a day makes. Uh, Michigan State, Adam Rittenberg is, uh, is reporting Michigan State set to hire Colorado's Mel Tucker as its next football coach. Tucker, one of several candidates to seemingly turn down Michigan State's initial overture, uh, becomes the focus of the school search late Sunday and through Monday. Uh, on Saturday, he, he retweeted that he remains committed to Colorado after speaking with Michigan State about its coaching vacancy. It says, while I'm flattered to be considered for the head coaching job at Michigan State, I'm committed to Colorado for the build of our program. It's, gr- it's great athletes, coaches, and supporters. We have unfinished business. Go Bucks. We buffs. We are relentless culture, the build. A source said Tucker was hesitant to leave Colorado after only one season as the Buffaloes coach had attended an event with Colorado donors on Monday in Denver. But Michigan State offered more resources beyond just an annual salary. An official announcement could come later today. The Athletic first reported Michigan State's hire of Tucker. The 48-year-old Tucker will replace Mark D'Antonio, who announced his retirement last week after 13 seasons at Michigan State. Uh, D'Antonio, 63, went 114-57 with the Spartans, winning or sharing three Big Ten championships and reaching the college football playoff in 2015. He left Michigan State as the all-time winningest coach, but also facing a lawsuit from former recruiting director Curtis Blackwell, who alleged that D'Antonio committed multiple NCAA violations. Here's the tale of the tape on this job search. Michigan State interviewed Cincinnati's Luke Fickle on Sunday, but Fickle decided early Monday to stay with the Bearcats. Pittsburgh's Pat Narduzzi, a longtime Michigan State assistant under D'Antonio, also opted to remain at his position. And then San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Saleh, also another former Michigan State assistant, uh, turned down the job. And Iowa State's Matt Campbell, declined to pursue the Spartans' vacancy. Uh, Tucker, a Cleveland native who played defensive back at Wisconsin, began his coaching career at Michigan State as a grad assistant for Nick Saban in 1997. Uh, He was a defensive coordinator for three NFL teams and served as Jacksonville's interim head coach in 2011, going 2-3. Tucker worked alongside D'Antonio at Ohio State from 2001 to 2003 and held coordinator jobs at Ohio State and Georgia before landing his first head coaching job at Colorado. Tucker went 5-7 and seven last, last season with the Buffaloes and last week finalized the nation's number 34 recruiting class, according to ESPN. So that's the tale of the tape. Mel Tucker, uh, like we said, a, a defensive back at Wisconsin by, by player and then had kind of followed D'Antonio a little bit, Ohio State, and then separated – and went with Kirby Smart to Georgia, had some success there, played in a national championship game, and then got the Colorado opportunity. Mel Tucker and Jeremy Pruitt uh, both hired away. Uh, They played against each other in that national championship game that led to a tied championship. And Jeremy Pruitt comes to Knoxville, and Mel Tucker heads to Boulder. Mel Tucker was a name that was synonymous with the Tennessee job for a day or two, as it was Jeremy Pruitt or Mel Tucker, and they both had their pros. 
They both had their cons. So Mel Tucker's going to get his opportunity at Power 5 on a bigger stage, Colorado being in the Pac-12. But uh, Michigan State uh, having a, an in-state rival such as Michigan playing in the Big Ten, uh, this is a big step up for Mel Tucker. I wish the best for him. I think he's a heck of a coach. I think he does a lot of things well. But I just, I'm just nervous about the 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 buy-in of the hire, if that makes sense. You know, I'm I'm interested in in Michigan State. Is it is this a a received hire? Should it be a received hire? Again, I I don't have an opinion. I think he's a good coach, but I think five and seven at Colorado your first year, uh, I think there there was some things left to be uh, to be explained. Uh, let's just say that uh, Wikipedia's already got him changed to the Michigan State head football coach. That's funny. But uh, he played 90-92 to and 1994 at Wisconsin, defensive back. Uh, his coaching tree looks like this. Michigan State, GA in 97, moved to Miami of Ohio in 99 for an actual on-the-field job as defensive backs coach. LSU in 2000, that would have been with Saban as well. Uh, 2001 to 2003, defensive backs. Uh, 2004, co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, 2005 to 2007, Cleveland Browns defensive backs coach. 2008, he was the Cleveland Browns D.C. Jacksonville Jaguars picked him up in 2009 to 11 as the defensive coordinator. And then 11 and 12, he was both the interim and an associate head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, 13 and 14, he was the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. And then in 2015, he came to Alabama as an associate head coach, defensive backs coach, again under Coach Saban. And I take that for for what it is because I use that same logic with Pruitt. When they continue to bring you back, you're worth having. Uh, He goes to Georgia 16 through 18 with Kirby Smart as the D.C. and defensive backs coach. And then again, last year, get that first opportunity at a head coaching gig in Boulder. So this is kind of a two-edged sword or a two-sided coin, however you want to talk about it. Michigan State's getting Mel Tucker, and I think a tough guy, a guy who, you know, can recruit. I think Boulder getting a 34-ranked class in anything is a big deal because they, they have some, some let's just say, facilities inequities. They're not necessarily up to snuff with the rest of the country. I think they're working toward that with some new commitments. But for him to be able to do that, I think is a big push. Michigan State may be a great landing spot for Mel Tucker because, let's just face it, I mean, Michigan State has a history of being a a really good spoiler and to pop up every now and again and have a good year. And I think, I think from from my view in in Maryville, Tennessee, that's okay. That's that's something that's being afforded at Michigan State that that's not going to be there at a lot of big schools. And I don't know what is what his contract's going to look like. I don't know what it, they've given him as a staff pool, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, you know, you watch this deal and you say, maybe this is a good spot because he doesn't immediately have to come in and be ten and one, ten and two. He could be, you know, a six and six, a seven and five. You know, year one is is probably okay. You know, we'll we'll see where we go from here. And then then they're going to look for that build. We're nowadays in big-time college football, and I'm not saying Michigan State's not big-time, but I'm saying in the Michigans of the world, the Ohio States of the world, the Alabamas of the world, the Tennessees of the world, 
you win now or you're not any good. Period. You could go into a depleted staff. You could go into a depleted roster, bad facilities, whatever. If you're that good, win. And I think that's predicated by by both what Nick Saban's been able to do, what Urban Meyer did at several stops, uh, you know, what what Dan Mullins has been able to do at Florida. I think it's all lending itself to not not three, four years, not five years to get this thing right. It's win now. Ask Chad Morris. Ask Matt Luke. Ask guys who were were doing what they had to do to get it there and weren't afforded the time to do it. So I think Mel Tucker's in a decent spot with with where he landed as far as power five, as far as big job. I think that's a good next step. I think Michigan State wouldn't like to think that they're they're a tier job, but I think they, they very much are. I think I think it's one of those things unless you just love the the community, if you just love the university, uh, there's there's gonna be jobs that could pull you away. Whether that's Wisconsin for Mel Tucker, whether that's an SEC job, you know, however that looks, I think I think there's something out there uh, to be said for that. But I think the bigger the bigger loss in this scenario is Colorado. And maybe maybe I'm just a softy today because I feel like I've been on these heartstrings all day. What about these kids that signed that 34th ranked class seven days ago? Let's talk about that. How many people is going to be like, oh, man, man, that's bad. Because like I said, what are you going to do? You're going to make the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, the interim, see what happens? It's going to be a terrible season. I mean, possibly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's got a great guy up there. But a terrible season, then you, you've got to transfer, and then you lose a year of eligibility. I mean, it's just it's just a stack-on effect. Or do you get somebody? Do you get a coordinator somewhere that's just itching, that just wants a head coaching job? Is this where Butch Jones goes? Who knows? Who knows? But I'll say this. It's a tough spot for all these kids to be in. The next few days is going to be hard on them and they need to get a they need to get a hire made by the end of the week. Because these kids don't need to have to go through that and try to go to school. If if they're early enrollees, they've got that to deal with. If they're in high school, Lord knows what they're hearing. So Colorado's in a tough spot. Not that Mel Tucker did the wrong thing. You got to take advantages when they present themselves. But I think it's one of those deals that you 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 hope for the best for Mel Tucker, and you really hope for the best for these Colorado kids because that's that's a tough spot to be in. They just they thought they were good to go because Mel Tucker, new head coach, had uh, done what he could do and was going to have an opportunity there. But uh, you know, opportunity is just that; it happens and then it's gone. So Mel Tucker, the new guy at Michigan State, Colorado has a vacancy. Go Butch Jones. You might be disappointed, but go there anyway. But anyway, if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on. Don't miss Top of the Hour, Jason Swain, and the Swain event. We'll see you tomorrow.